0: Have you ever planted a garden before? When we went to, from Newburgh, Becky and I, newly married, headed on down to Salem at a place called Lebisch Center, we were given a nice, single, wide trailer on about a half-acre of land. And on that land, we, of course, we had a pretty good backyard. We only had two kids at that time, Anthony and Jameson. And they weren't really big enough to be able to run around too much in that backyard. But also with that backyard, we also had a a huge garden. It was gigantic. We had never gardened before. (laughs) We're looking at this going, what do we do with this thing? And we were instructed by those at the church at the Bish Center. They said, you know what? There's a lot you can do with that. Let me help you. And so they're going to help us learn how to garden. <laughs> so we looked at that and we said, okay, great, you can help us do that. That's wonderful. And so they let us know the different ins and outs of gardening and, and uh, taking care of it and everything else. So I went and got, got some seeds and came back and thought, okay, I know how to plant these things. I think we should be good. And, and we chose different things, of course, to plant. I took this broom handle that I thought would be great for planting seeds. I thought, oh, you know, put the seeds in, no problem. Well, little did I know that if you plant them too deep, they will never grow. I thought, well, I'm going to get them into that soil real good. So I I took that broom handle and went, drop on down, cover it up. (laughs) That'll do good. Funny thing, never saw those things grow. (laughs) Because they were so deep down in the ground, they never came up. That was our first, well, my first experience in gardening. Uh, Becky grew up on the farm in Battleground, Washington. So I think she knew a lot more than what she let on to, to do. And, and so she's probably kind of snickering as I was trying to <laughs> figure out what it is to plant seeds. What is that all about? And you gotta be careful with that though, because you can't plant them too deep. You can't plant them too, too shallow, of course. And, uh, and of course, there's other things that are evolved with that. You need to have the water. You have the sunlight and the right amounts of those things, especially, you know, the the soil needs to have the right kind of condition as far as fertilizer or whatever else that will help the whole situation there. All those things come together for a healthy crop. And the same thing as well, too, things come together for a healthy church. The different elements that need to come together to be able to form a healthy church the care and concern for one another that goes into this, the, the, the love for one another. There's the right mixture of all these different elements that helps form a healthy church. And I believe we are in the right direction to moving as a healthy church. Healthy church communities and individual, individuals are something God cares deeply about. In fact, much of the New Testament addresses life in and among the community of believers and as a pastor there's nothing better than seeing a congregation healthy and growing and producing kingdom fruit but how do we get there how do we get there well today we begin a new four-week series called rooted which will help answer that very question how do we get there as a healthy church using the same agricultural imagery that Jesus so often used. We will be led through planting, growing, pruning, and harvesting. We will look at both unhealthy and healthy practices in the life of a believer. And we'll discover the process of discipleship that leads to a fruitful life in Christ. You heard the, the Psalm 1 being recited there in the video, and the verse 3, says that a person rooted in their faith shall be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. In order for a seed to grow and ultimately prosper, it must first be planted properly. A seed is generally planted in soil, and the quality of the soil has immeasurable effect on the growth of the seed. Now, here we have a potted tree. Now, <clears throat> I already fooled somebody who thought it was real. It is not real, okay, it's, it's fake. But I thought this would be a good prop for us throughout the time that we're doing this series, and rooted and remind us of the different things that we need to be, be doing. And if this was a live tree, there would be soil in here that would be just at the right level of nutrients, it would be watered properly for this to be able to grow into a nice, green, huge tree. There was a situation at Labish Center, a situation, an event that happened. And uh, uh, after the event happened, we were given cedars of Lebanon, little tiny sprouts, cedars of Lebanon, <clears throat> to remind us of, uh, of, of God's love and His, his goodness in our life. Well, if anybody knows about cedars of Lebanon, they are, they are little tiny sprouts, of course, but they grow into huge, gigantic trees. And I looked at that sprout, knowing that, and we lived in the best Center, and we, we thought, there's no place we could put this. this we won't be able to have this. I gifted it to my father-in-law. <laughs> said, here you go, and in battleground, and he planted it in back, and he, they got 10 acres of land, <clears throat> and he planted it back there. To this day, it's still there, huge, gigantic thing. This has been over 20, 25 years now, and that thing is gigantic. You have the right condition of the soil, you've got some good things going on for growth there. Well, We'll be looking at a familiar parable today, and I hope you won't let the familiarity cause you to shut your mind to what Jesus has to say through today's passage of Scripture. Now, you may have heard a a parable described as an earthly story with a heavenly or spiritual meaning. A parable is also a comparison of two things for the purpose of teaching, and it usually goes from the known to the unknown in order to teach something spiritual, and there's usually one significant point to the parable. Now, a parable is a pretty effective teaching tool that holds the attention of the listener, enables them to see themselves and, and while dealing with something well known adds a twist which fascinates and makes the listener reflect on what was said. So why did Jesus teach in parables? Now if you look in Matthew 13 which we're going to land in today and you can turn there if you'd like, Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, if you look at verse 1, we see that he has moved from teaching in the synagogue to teaching outside by the lake. And having been rejected by the religious leaders of the day, he now moves outside and addresses the crowds of common people. By telling parables, he holds their attention to fascinate them without alienating them. And secondly, if you look at verse 35 of that chapter, it's a way to reveal God's truth, but for only those who want to see. The parable revealed truth to those who were hungry to receive it, but concealed it from those who were too lazy to look for its meaning. Jesus didn't just want to give out truth, He wanted people who wanted truth to seek it out. And so, through these parables, He gave that opportunity for those people. Verse 12 tells us that the law of atrophy is at work among those who are listeners of the parable. If you don't use the muscle, it withers, it dies. Parables bring light to those who look for it, but for those content to be in the darkness, it intensifies the darkness. They remain in the darkness. Now, what is this about? What does this mean? What is he talking about? Ah, whatever. But for those who want to seek after it, then they find some pretty good stuff. To begin our series today, we will be talking about planting, the planting of the seed and the quality of the soil. In the parable of the sower, Jesus says in Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9, He says, "...a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And then eight verses later, Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus explains the meaning of the parable to the disciples. I'm so glad that's there. (laughs) So we also, too. It's kind of like a little cheat sheet. (laughs) Starting with verse 18. Listen, then, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the one who hears the word, and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown." And we'll stop there. So Jesus gives us four different scenarios of seed being spread in this parable. He explains that the seed is the word the good news shared with others. The soil is the heart of a person, where the seed of the good news can take root. Jesus makes it clear that the problems in the parable don't occur with the seed, but the problems arise depending on what kind of soil the seed falls onto. So, let's take a look at the four different types of soil that are mentioned here, described in this parable of the sower. And I trust we can see how it applies to our lives and our relationship with Jesus. First of all, the first kind of soil he talks about is the hardened heart, hardened heart. It's a barren wasteland. In verse 19, he describes this. Now the fields of Galilee, like today, would be unfenced with many paths running through them. The paths would have, would have, had, would have been rock hard. Countless people, the animals, and all the carts traveling over them. Jesus uses the imagery of a hard path which the seed finds impossible to penetrate, and hungry birds which come to snatch it away to show how some hear the Word of God but don't digest it, understand it, or apply it to their lives. They are very vulnerable to losing it all as the devil comes quickly into such a heart and snatches it all away. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it tells us that for the seed to be effective, it must not only be heard, but also combined with faith. The seed planted on a hard heart that doesn't receive it with faith is easily snatched away and bears no fruit at all. It comes to nothing. And this soil describes a person who is unresponsive to the gospel. Now, they're not necessarily hostile to it although they could be, but simply just apathetic. Spiritual things are just not on the radar. They may think that spiritual things are unnecessary or unknowable or or simply just uninteresting. These people could be atheists, they could be agnostics, they could be intellectuals, or the guy next door who just continually refuses to come to church with you. This can even be people who profess religion, but obviously never got it. They may have, have had bad experiences in the past with religion. They may have had tragedies in their life that made them angry at God or feel that those tragedies disprove God's love and power. They may be self-satisfied, self-sufficient, or maybe even self-righteous, but they simply don't respond to the gospel and they've had. They've had hardened hearts, and they've, they've hardened their heart toward the things of God to the point that they are unwilling to even believe any of this. And because of this hardness, they make themselves an easy target for the evil one with all sorts of assault toward the Word in their lives. This parable is clear that seed won't grow where there is unreceptive soil. In fact, the enemy will come and snatch the seed away because he doesn't want the seed to have any opportunity to take root and, and to grow in a person's life. This kind of soil won't reproduce because it cannot reproduce. So ask yourself this morning, has the seed, the Word of God, bounced off me like a, like a seed bouncing off a hard path? C.S. Lewis is in the Screwtape Letters tells of such a man who was beginning down the path to belief in Christ, and how, how easily he was distracted by hunger and, and the news headlines on a billboard. We are easily distracted from the Word of God when our hearts have been trampled hard by sin. The Word which is only heard and not acted upon is easily, easily taken, snatched away by Satan. The path is part of the field, and it's even made up of the same soil, except it has been packed hard and made solid. The seed lands on that ground, but nothing happens because that ground isn't prepared to receive the seed. Quickly, Satan comes and snatches it away before it can penetrate any openings in the path's service. As Malachi, Old Testament prophet, so rightly told his hearers, There comes a time in life when you have to plow up the unplowed ground in order to receive the seed. There might be some hard ground that needs to be plowed up here today. And for some, it's the very challenge you need to hear. Your heart is a hard path, and though you hear the Word of God, it's so easily snatched away probably even gone even before the end of this message. But there's hope. There is hope. God can soften the hardest of soils. And then in this parable, we see another kind of soil that he speaks about. This is a, a troubled and superficial heart that we see here in the soil. It produces shallow roots in verses 20 and 21. He speaks of a soil that is rocky, and not rocks in it, but actually a rock bed under it. See, enough soil to cover the rocks, germinate the seed, but a rock bed underneath. So when seed is sown on it, the roots can't penetrate the rock. And since the soil is shallow, it heats up quicker than other soil, therefore sending the young plant flying up taller and taller, faster than anywhere else. So it isn't obvious that the necessary root is not there. Above the surface, the plant looks nice, looks great. That's why Jesus says that this person receives the word with joy. There's a big emotional response, but then during the dry season, when when plants need the deep roots to survive the heat, the superficial and troubled heart dies. Jesus calls them temporary. This person is offended and feels trapped and falls away from Christ. Troubles come in, difficulties happen, and they fall away. Jesus explains that this type of soil receives the seed with great enthusiasm, makes a great start, but as soon as trouble or persecution comes, they fall away because there was no root, there was no depth to their belief. This person can be helped along in the right atmosphere and company, In the right company and people around them, they'll do great, but they have no roots to stand on their own. And once on their own, they fall away quickly. They'll be carried along by whichever way the wind is blowing. They're superficial in their faith. And the seed comes to nothing in the life of the hearer and bears no fruit in the world. And I believe, I think there are just too many superficial Christians in churches today. Too many of them. Many who had started off great, but now are carried along by whichever way the wind blows of the company that they're in. A Christian here at church, but not at work or with the friends they spend time with. This seed died. It bore no lasting fruit. Why would anyone think they would be any different in living that kind of life? There's a challenge for us all to not be content with a superficial faith and to not allow others to settle for superficial faith as well. We must challenge ourselves and encourage others not to settle for what is just superficial. That which is superficial never lasts. It quickly withers and it dies. This is why emotions are not a good indicator of genuine faith. It isn't the start of the Christian walk that is indicative of true faith, but the end of it. This is a person who may have responded to to God for the wrong reasons. They believed that Jesus would be a quick fix, solve their problems, make life go happily ever after. When He didn't deliver, they called it quits. They may not have really counted the cost of following Christ or have been instructed to do so because they were really in it for themselves. These people might be faithful for days and for weeks and months or even years, but sooner or later they will face a trial that Jesus can't fix or satisfy for them uh, in the way they want it, and they're out, because they were not deep enough in the faith to draw on Christ's life-sustaining water in times of dryness. Suffering persecution strengthens and perfects true believers, but it pushes false ones out. Life is a long and at times difficult journey, and a heart that is troubled by the obstacles and adversity of life will fail to produce deep roots. These individuals have an interest in the gospel and even seem to embrace it at the beginning of the journey. But over time without tending tending to the growth of the the seed of the gospel, they will fall away, especially during tough times and tribulations that all, all of us Christ followers experience. And Jesus actually warned us in John 16, verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. We will have it. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's the hope we have, the connection we can have with someone who's gone on before us and knows about this. But he did say, we will have trouble. Shallow roots will not sustain a person through the adverse and difficult seasons of life. It won't happen. It takes deep, strong roots growing in healthy soil to weather the stormy seasons. But again, there's hope. There's hope. God can break up the rock bed barrier in your hearts to allow the roots of God's Word to go deep in your life. It can happen. A third kind of soil that he describes here shows us a distracted heart, a distracted heart that bears no fruit, found in verse 22. This kind of soil is full of foreign seeds. Jesus implies that these other seeds are strong and vigorous. He says that they are weeds of cares of the world and riches. They they choke the life out of a profession. They prevent uh, fruitfulness, and they deprive the good seed of needed resources. This is a person that never makes a clean break with worldly things, still too connected. These things don't necessarily have to be immoral or illegal. In fact, they could be good things, but simply more important than Christ. These are people that are too concerned about what others will say or what a decision for Christ will cost them. These are people that love sin too much to get rid of it. They love money more than Christ. They love sex more than Christ. They love power or work more than Christ. They love family more than Christ. These are people who aren't committed to the lordship of Christ in their lives. And anything that seizes the position of God in your life is idolatry. Remember, we serve a jealous God. <laughs> we don't, he, he doesn't want to take second place to a relationship or, or a possession or an idea or even a goal. This is the person who allows business to drown out time with God, drowns out service for God and, and the love for God. And again, no fruit is produced. A distracted heart cannot grow the roots needed to sustain life. A heart that, sh- that cares more for the things of the world than for the things of the kingdom isn't the healthy soil necessary to experience kingdom growth. Money, status, popularity, and other worldly pursuits choke out the ability of the seed to get the nutrients and care necessary to grow roots in a person's life. Unhealthy and distracted soil is not the place for seed to grow and definitely not the place to find a harvest of healthy fruit. But again, there's hope. God can change a divided and distracted life. And then finally, come across this kind of soil, which represents a fertile heart that sustains life found in verse 23. See, the key, the key to good soil prepared for the seed to bear fruit is that the hard ground has to be plowed and broken up. Weeds need to be removed. Stones need to be removed. The seed needs to be planted. It needs to be watered. And it needs to be nourished. Then it can bear fruit. But I want you to notice something here. The soil cannot do any of this by itself. This sower does it all. He plows up the field, he removes the weeds, he plants the seed, and he makes it bear fruit. The soil lies barren without these things being done by the sower. It's an ongoing relationship between the soil and the sower that brings the seed to fruition. And it's the same in the spiritual life. An ongoing relationship with Christ brings about spiritual fruit in due season. We need to stay connected in our relationship with Christ. Healthy soil is where seeds have the most opportunity to grow into life-giving plants, life-giving trees. For instance, a single healthy apple tree can bear enough fruit to feed dozens of people. Its shade gives rest to those who pass by on hot days. Its flowers nourish thousands of pollinators every spring. And its seed spreads and multiplies into an immeasurable amount of other apple trees over the course of its lifetime. Now, if I were to hold up an apple and ask you how many seeds were in it, you could probably guess real closely. And we could cut it up, find out for sure how many seeds are in that apple. But if I were to ask you how many apples were in one of those apple seeds, (laughs) good luck. There's no way, you couldn't tell me. You couldn't tell me. Because we don't know how many apples will be born out of a single seed being planted. When you are good soil, God's Word produces fruit that spills over and beyond just you. Good soil produces a crop that goes beyond the single person. And this man is no different than any of the other three soils mentioned before. The seed is scattered. In the same way, uh, upon the soil of his heart, he hears the exact same word, the seed, as the first soil. He hears it with excitement, like the second soil. He lives in the exact same world with all its deceits and temptations as the third soil. The difference is the roots go deep and produces fruit in due season. But how did this seed become fruitful? Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 24, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds." And there's your answer. The price of being fruitful is dying to self, so that the life of Christ might be seen in and through our lives. This is the kind of person who says, okay, Jesus, I'm ready. Take me and make me more like You. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. Fill me with Your Word so that I can be the kind of person who brings a crop that will not only benefit me, but all those around me as well. A heart that is fertile is one that readily accepts the gospel seed and does the hard work of nurturing it to grow. This heart is one that is open to the truth of God's Word and open to the transformation that will take place. This heart is made ready by the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the participation of the individual, too, as well. This heart doesn't just experience growth by themselves, but actually impacts those around them. I would imagine you've met many people like that in your life. Just impact your life, because they are ones with a fertile heart for God's Word. I need, to, need you to notice something, though, very important here. See, there's this, this, the seed is the same in every place it's sown. The difference, though, is in the soil. The soil is different, not the seed. And there's something else very important here, too. All soil can be made good. All soil can be made good. Now, you might be sitting here thinking <laughs> that there's no hope for you that you're not good soil, and there's no changing that. That's simply not true. It's a lie from Satan. See, God is in the business of making something great out of something that didn't seem to have any future. The Bible's full of examples and and teaching about God changing and transforming lives. He's very good at it, (laughs) and He loves doing it. So let him do it through his word. Allow the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and make it real in your life. Take time to read it. Pray about it. And obey what you read. That's how the Holy Spirit makes us into that good soil. Don't worry about understanding everything right away. (laughs) Apply what you do understand. And Jesus says that as, as you do that, you'll understand more and more because your heart will be ready for more understanding. There's one more thing Jesus says in this passage of Scripture that I believe is important as well. He says, He who has ears, let him hear. This is simply a challenge for listeners to understand His message and apply it to themselves. I think I've made it very plain over the years here that it's not good enough to just hear the words of Jesus or even to read, study, or memorize God's Word. He wants you to apply His words. Make them part of your life. Let them impact every area of your being. This gives you spiritual ears. Spiritual ears to hear and understand. And it shows and proves how good God is in your life. It paves the way to life change at the deepest and most significant levels as well. So let me just challenge you to take the words of Jesus seriously and do something about them. (laughs) Do something about them. It leaves me with a question for you. What kind of soil describes your heart today? What kind of soil describes your heart today? Are you indifferent to the good news of Jesus? Are you needing to spend time on the condition of your heart so that the seed of the gospel can grow deep and healthy? Are you divided, maybe distracted? Are there too many things in your life clamoring for your attention and care? If you've ever had a garden, you know the the effort it takes to grow and sustain life in that garden. It's no different with the garden of your heart, where the divine seeds of the gospel Are trying to grow. They need healthy soil. They need consistent care. And God is the Master Gardener who knows how to make the garden of your heart conducive for spiritual growth. All you need to do is just ask. So, do you need to spend some time with the Master Gardener in prayer today? Do you need to need him to soften your heart? Do you need him to break through the bedrock barrier in your heart to allow the roots to grow deeper in you? Do you need him to change your divided and distracted heart? So many things going on all around you. Do you need to die to yourself and let the life of Jesus be seen in and through your life? Whatever the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Just act upon it. Act in obedience. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you be with each one here today. Lord, as we sit here, contemplating what has been said, probably being tapped on the shoulder by the Holy Spirit about something, I pray, Lord, that we would act upon that. That we would respond in obedience, and say, yes, Lord, you're right. You do need to come into my heart to break up that hard ground. You do need to come into my heart and break past that, that barrier, that stone barrier that's just below the surface. Nothing has gone deeper, and I need to go deep with you. Yes, Lord, you need to come in, and you need to help me change my heart in a way that it's just so distracted so divided. I need a heart just for you, Lord. Maybe there's someone here today that's praying that they forsake all the things that they would want to have in their life, that die to themselves, their desires, their, their future, and just give that over to you. Allow you, Lord, to take care of it. Call the shots. Allow you to be seen through their life. Whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that we would respond in obedience, whether it's here at the altar or even right where we're at, that we would go to prayer to you, the master gardener who can, who, who can know what knows what's best for us. So Lord, I pray that uh, we'd spend time in that, that moment with you while we sing these songs. And Lord, I pray again that we would sense your love and your care for us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.